This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Our divisional NFL draft recap shows continue. This is part three of eight. If you miss either of the first two parts, part one, I talked about every team in the NFC West. Part two, I talked about every team in the NFC East. And tonight we will be talking about every team in the NFC South. I'll be talking Falcons draft. I'll be talking Panthers, Saints, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. These podcasts allow me to go a little bit more in depth with what I've been putting out there on Twitter in one extended thread, the picks that each team made, my favorite pick, my value pick, my most questionable pick or decision, and then a little synopsis on the draft class here. This enables me to go a little bit deeper, talk about more than just one or two picks like I am on Twitter uh, and share my thoughts because I do think it's so important to really dig deep you know, and, and and take your time to 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 analyze these. We we build up the draft so long, and then it's it's gone. You know, in one weekend, and then I feel like that people want to turn the page, do their rookie drafts, and be done with it. But there is so much to break down in terms of favored picks, value picks, questionable picks, fantasy lens, how it impacts their real team, how it impacts other people on the depth chart, long term. You know, planning process is so much to digest and break down here. And we really cover it wire to wire, not just leading into the NFL draft, but also after the draft, we'll spend, you know, two months recapping everything that happened on that three day weekend and the impact it has in terms of NFL, in terms of depth charts, in terms of fantasy, in terms of dynasty, uh, before we kind of turn the page. So let's kick it right off. NFC South, we're going to start with the Atlanta Falcons. And the Atlanta Falcons at pick eight in the first round took USC wide receiver Drake London. In the second round, they made a a trade up with the Giants, actually. At pick 38, they wanted to take Penn State edge rusher Arnold Ebichetti. In the second round, at pick 58, they took Montana State linebacker Troy Anderson. In the third round, at pick 74, they took Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter. In the third round, they also took Western Kentucky edge rusher D'Angelo Malone. In the fifth round, they took BYU running back Tyler Algier. In the sixth round, they took Georgia offensive guard Justin Schaefer. In the sixth round, they took Georgia tight end John Fitzpatrick. If we start with favorite pick for me was Ebiketti in the second round. The small trade-up cost him a fourth-round pick, but I think them being aggressive to get a guy who I thought warranted potential late-round one skill set I think was really good. Ebiketti's got good athletic ability, good first step, good explosion, good get-off. I think Ebiketti is a guy who can develop into a 10-sack type of year player. I like Ebiketti's game. The Falcons really needed pass rush. I think Ebiketti brings that. So he was my favorite pick, but I could add other picks to that as well. I could add Troy Anderson to that, the athletic Marvel running back, former quarterback, former running back. You know, Troy Anderson is a guy who can play sideline to sideline, great range, cover skills, can can play the run. There's not a lot in terms of his athletic makeup that he can't do on the football field. Uh, I don't know if Deion Jones is there for the long haul. So I think Troy Anderson could be a guy that could really be an impact player for them. So right there in the second round, Ebiketti and Troy Anderson, I think they got two starters right there. I, th- I think they're my favorite picks continued in the third round. I think D'Angelo Malone 
another guy, another guy who could be a starting edge rusher down the line for this team as well. So getting Abiketti in round two, followed by Malone in round three, I think they got two guys who can be legitimate, you know, above average to good pass rushers in the NFL. You add that with Troy Anderson, that's potentially three starters on the defensive side right there. And that's, and that was in two picks in round two and one in round three. Uh, value pick for me, Desmond Ritter. I love Desmond Ritter. I thought he should have went top of the second round. To me, I, I've been saying for two years now, he reminded me of Colin Kaepernick when Kaepernick was coming out of Nevada. I thought he was a guy who, if he went late round one or early round two, wouldn't have surprised me. I think he could be a guy that quickly, the back half of the year, gets an opportunity to be the starter there. You know, if Mariota, you know, continues to be kind of who we think he might be and they're struggling because they obviously still have a lot of weaknesses on their team and they only have a couple wins, let's say, in the second half of the year, I think Raider can get an opportunity to show what he can do to see if the Falcons need to be back in the quarterback market at the top of next year's draft in round one or could Ritter be a guy that they got tremendous value on at pick 74 and he develops into their 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 next long-term starter. But at pick 74, there is no risk associated with that. There would have been a little risk if it was top of the second round, but no risk at, at pick 74, all just tremendous potential reward. Uh, so I really like that. Tyler Algier is another guy. Some people thought could have went round four. Uh I wasn't as high on him as other people, but to me, he's very much like a James Conner type player. I think he could be a guy that this year could get a lot of carries for that team. I think he's more best suited probably for a committee backfield where he handles a lot of the early down work, um, short yardage, goal line, stuff like that, you know, but I, I think he could be a functional running back at the next level. They got to pick 151 and that that was, was really good value as well. In terms of questionable things, you know, listen, it's nitpicking a six round pick and pick 190 overall. But, you know, there's, there were other offensive guards there, especially, you know, Jamal Sellier's teammate, who I would have preferred over Schaefer. But uh, it's hard to really nitpick taking a offensive lineman from the national champion Georgia Bulldogs at pick 190 overall. Uh, and then the Drake, the Drake London pick is an interesting one, right? I, I've gone on record as saying, for me, he was my number fifth wide receiver. I preferred Garrett Wilson. I preferred Traylon Burks. I preferred Jamison Williams. I preferred Chris Olave. Not a lot of people had Drake London at five. A lot of people had him at one. A lot of people had him at two. Maybe some people had him at three. Not a lot of people had him at five. Uh, I do think he might be being miscast a little bit as a guy who can be a really dominant outside X receiver. I think he can maybe be a dominant inside big slot receiver. I'm just not sure that that warranted being pick eight then compared to some of the other guys who I think have a little bit more versatility to be better players on the outside in terms of creating separation. Now, if he ends up showing that that's not a question at the next level, and my guess is the Falcons don't think it is, and he is part Vincent Jackson or Mike Evans, even though I think it's more Vincent Jackson, you know, if he's part that and then he's also like part Brandon Marshall on the inside, well, then he was well worth the eighth pick in the draft. He probably has the highest upside then of any of the receivers if he shows that the separation isn't a concern because we already know he dominates at the catch point. We know he's got quick feet, former basketball background. We know he, for a bigger man, he can do some work after the catch. It's just creating separation, you know, in his routes to to give that quarterback a little bit more space to, to throw him the football. 
if he could show that he can get that separation, then he probably should be the first or second wide receiver on most people's boards. I had some concerns that maybe he was just a big slot. So that's why he fell down a little bit for me. If he's Marquise Colston, then no, then I think pick eight was probably a little bit too, too rich for that, even though he could still be a good player. If he's Marquise Colston, I think he's going to be better than Marquise Colston. I think he's Brandon Marshall. He still wouldn't be, have been my first pick there at eight. I think they could have went uh, one of the other wide receivers, but they obviously had the, they looked at him as their top wide receiver. He was the first wide receiver off the board in the draft. So if they're right on on their evaluation of him, then I, I then he's a home run pick. But all in all, I love what the Falcons did. I think with London, Ebiketti, Troy Anderson, and D'Angelo Malone, they probably they possibly got four starters there. We'll see on Desmond Ritter. I think Tyler Algier can be a functional piece of a committee. I mean, I see six guys on this thing who could make an impact for the Falcons anywhere from functional you know, committee player to average starter to above average starter to great starter, you know, to potentially an elite player in Drake London if he hits. So really strong draft from the Falcons, an infusion of talent and youth, uh, which is what they needed from this draft class for sure. If we take this to the Carolina Panthers draft, obviously they didn't have a lot of draft capital with some of the trades they made last year, trading for Sam Darnold, trading uh, for a cornerback. So they had uh, only six picks in this draft. At pick six in the first round, they took North Carolina State offensive tackle Iki Ikanwu. In the third round, they traded up to take Ole Miss quarterback Matt Corral. In the fourth round, they took Penn State linebacker Brandon Smith. In the sixth round, they took Virginia Tech edge rusher Amare Barno. In the sixth round, they took Tennessee offensive guard Cade Mays. In the seventh round, they took Baylor cornerback Kalen Barnes. I know they didn't have a lot of picks because of the Sam Darnold trade, which I went on record saying I hated it. Uh, I didn't think they, that they gave up way too much for Sam Darnold last year. Uh, but in terms of the picks they had, I kind of thought they had a pretty good draft. Getting Nicky Economy at six, I thought it was a really great pick. That's my favorite pick of the bunch because – there was a lot of talk he was going to go one. Then if he wasn't going to go one, he was going to go two or three or four or five. They end up sitting there at six, and they fill their biggest need. Now, I like Evan Neal slightly more than Nicky Conwu, but they take Nicky Conwu. They solidify their weakest position, basically, besides the quarterback position, which was a needed a starting offensive tackle. They got one of the best in the draft. Then they didn't have a second or third-round pick, but the aggressive move to trade up to pick 94 to get Matt Corral, I thought was really a good move for them. First off, I think Matt Corral is going to be that Sam Darnold sooner rather than later. I think by week eight, Matt Corral could be the starting quarterback in this team, possibly. Corral was my QB too. I really was higher Matt Corral. I thought he had some Tony Romo type skill set. I thought he was more of a late one, early two guy, and I would have been fine in round one. I didn't think he was a top 10 or top 15 type guy, but I love his ability to play off structure, throw on the run. I think he's a guy who can make all the NFL throws, even at the size he is. So Corral, to me, I thought it was definitely worth the investment at pick 94 for a guy who could maybe develop into your starting quarterback and, you know, push, you know, Sam Darnold this year. And I think he's got the talent to steal the job off from Sam Darnold. So I like the Corral pick. I really liked my, my favorite value pick was Corral. And it was also their sixth round pick, Amari Barno. To get a guy in the sixth round who's a edge rusher with 4.3640 yard dash time, Listen, I understand the 40 isn't the BN end all, but that type of explosion, that type of speed is something that I'd be intrigued with way earlier than pick 189. If he would have came off the board early round four, I thought that would have been appropriate value, not lasting the pick 189 
you know, towards the middle part of the sixth round. So I thought that was a really good pick by them. Uh, even Kalen Barnes, another guy, athletic speed guy at pick 242, you get a guy who's got four point three speed. I, I, I think those are the type of guys and, and you're, you're drafting based on some traits late in the draft like that on upside. I think Kalen Barnes has it. Uh, my least favorite or most questionable move is listen, I like Brandon Smith's athletic ability and upside. I thought there were some linebackers there at in the fourth round of pick 120 that I liked a little bit more than Brandon Smith. But in honestly, my most questionable decision was just, you know, from last year basically, trading away so many picks for Sam Darnold just didn't make sense. We knew the Jets didn't have a lot of teams vying for him. We knew they had to move him. Uh, I thought they just gave up a little bit too much for Sam Darnold. And and this year, you know, they were dealing from a, a area of weakness by not having as much draft capital uh, to do things with this year. And Darnold didn't pan out. So next up, let's take it to the New Orleans Saints. Now, the Saints is interesting because they make that aggressive trade before the draft even started with the Eagles to get that pick in, I think it was at 18. So they were going to have 18 and 19, and then they give up a future first, a future second, and they believe it was a fourth round pick. So they gave up a future second, a fourth round pick, uh, and a future first round pick to get that pick from Philadelphia. Philadelphia wanted to push more draft capital in the future because they already had two other first round picks. So everyone, they, they make that aggressive move. Everybody's thinking maybe it's for a quarterback. Maybe it's to jump up again to really get the quarterback they want. And then there was buzz that maybe it wasn't going to be a quarterback that they sort of two big needs at tackle and wide receiver. And they were wanted to fill both those needs. And that was their plan. It was clear that that was their plan. But they had to make another trade up to get to pick 11 where they took Ohio State wide receiver Chris Olave. At their other pick in the first round, of pick 19, they took Northern Iowa offensive tackle Trevor Penny. In the second round, they took Tennessee cornerback Alante Taylor. In the fifth round, they took Appalachian State linebacker DeMarco Jackson. In the sixth round, they took Air Force defensive lineman Jordan Jackson. My favorite pick is Chris Olave, but I also think it could be the most questionable decision they made, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. But I do love Chris Olave, the player. He's part Terry McLaurin. He's part Will Fuller. He's going to fit in perfectly with what they have there in Michael Thomas. He's going to make Michael Thomas better. Michael Thomas is going to make Chris Olave better. In terms of wide receiver fit, Chris Olave to the Saints was probably the best fit of any of, of the wide receivers taken on night one of the NFL draft. Value pick. There was once upon a time people thought after the combine that Trevor Penny uh, was going to be a top 10 pick, top 12 pick, top 15 pick. They sit there at 19 and he falls into their lap. They obviously lost to Ron Armstead. Trevor Penny steps right in at pick 19. So, you know, some people think he's a little bit raw, needs development, refinement. But the truth of the matter is he, he's got a lot of traits. He's got a lot of athletic upside, plays with a mean streak. Uh, they got a guy who they're going to plug and play in there. So I thought that was a good value pick. The questionable moves to me are the amount of draft capital. I think it was pro football focus. So when you put it all together, the trade to get that extra first round pick from the Eagles, then the trade up from uh, 18 to 11, it ended up being, it was either 18 or 16. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but whatever it was to get Chris Olave, it ended up costing them their 2023 first round pick their 2024 second round pick and three fourth round picks. 
That's a lot of ammunition. And I think there might even have been one more pick in there. I'm forgetting. But a first, a second, and three fourth-round picks all were spent to get Chris Olave. That is quite the investment. And we know Mickey Loomis and the Saints are very aggressive. But listen, that's a, that's a big haul. Chris Olave can't just be a good starter. He's got to be a great starter to even look back at that and not think that those double trade to get the extra first round pick and then to move up again, what it costs them. I mean, they now don't have a first round pick next year. They don't have a second round pick the year after that. You know, the amount three extra fourth round picks that they could have got to supplement this roster or, you know, using other trades. They lost a lot. Okay. So that's going to be something that we kind of really, uh, you know, kind of, kind of follow and see if Chris Olave is in a star, it's going to look like a big price to pay in terms of what they gave up. And to round it out, let's go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs traded out of round one to, and moved back to pick 33 in the second round. They took Houston defensive lineman Logan Hall. In the second round, at pick 57, they took Central Michigan offensive tackle Luke Getke. In the third round, they took Arizona State running back Rashad White. In the fourth round, they took Washington tight end Kate Auden. In the fourth round, they took Georgia punter Jake Camarda. In the fifth round, Sam Houston State cornerback Zion McCollum. In the sixth round, Minnesota tight end Cole Keeft. In the seventh round, Andre Anthony, LSU edge rusher. Overall, I thought the Bucs had a strong draft. You know, there was a lot of talk Logan Hall was going to go late round one. So they move back just a few picks. They pick up more draft capital, and they get Logan Hall anyway. So Logan Hall adds a guy with a lot of versatility. He can play five technique. He can run inside and play, you know, from inside in sub packages or from the three tech position. So Logan Hall is a guy who adds a lot of versatility to their defensive line. I picked 57, you know, so my favorite picks was was uh, Luke Gecki, Logan Hall, and Rashad White. So I already talked about Logan Hall. Luke Gecki, I think, is a starting right tackle in this league for eight years at least. So when he gets an opportunity, I think he's going to develop into a really good starting right tackle in this league. So I know the Giants, if they didn't take a tackle in the first round, were, were eyeing Luke Getke probably either in round two, whether it's a, it was a trade back or a trade up from round three. I think Luke Getke was a guy who would have been very high in their list because I do think he's a guy who can can play as a starting right tackle. They need some reinforcements along the old line in front of Tom Brady. I really like the Getke pick. And I love the Rashad White pick. He was my RB5. That was pretty high compared to what was out there in the consensus. But I think he's a guy who can catch 70 to 80 passes. I think besides James Cook, him and James Cook are my two favorite pass catcher running backs in this class. To me, he reminds me a little bit of Antonio Gibson in terms of his upright running style, his pass catching ability, his offensive playmaking ability. I really like Rashad White there. I think he can catch 70 passes this year if he played enough. We'll see. Probably won't get an opportunity. But I think he can be a guy who catches 70 passes. I think he can be a guy who can also handle some workload in terms of the rushing capabilities as well. So I really like that. Uh, value picks. I thought Kate Auden. I thought he could easily win in round three. They kicked off the early portion of round four by taking tight end Kate Auden. I think he could develop into a starting tight end in the NFL. And then I love the Zion McCollum pick in round five. His traits, his athletic ability, I thought he was going in round three. So for them to get him two rounds later, uh, a cornerback with that type of athletic capabilities, I really like the Zion McCollum pick. In terms of questionable decisions, I would just say they're late round picks. Co'Keefe, Andre Anthony, you know, uh, that and maybe taking a punter in the fourth round are some things that could have been they could have done a little differently. So there it is, guys. NFC South 
in the books. Like I mentioned at the top, if you have missed the previous two episodes, please go back and check them. They are mini podcasts. I think the first one was like 17 or 18 minutes. The second one was 22 minutes. In the first one, part of the series, we did the AFC, uh, the NFC West. In the second part, we did the NFC East. Uh, next up in the podcast series, we will round out the NFC by looking at the NFC North, going over to Packers and the Vikings and the rest of the teams in the NFC North in terms of their drafts and what I thought of them. So, hope you're enjoying these mini pods. I, I really like doing these, digging a little bit deeper into the entire draft from each class, their perspective, how they went about building, the value picks, the, the favorite picks, the questionable moves and or picks that they made as well. So, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us. I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.